You know, that, that kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, earlier, earlier this week when I found myself in a situation where I was a little confused about who I was and where I was. A friend of mine had been asking me to, to go with him and join him in this place uh, and, and try and do this, this type of workout that's, that's become a thing. And as I was doing it, eventually I stopped and I looked around and noticed everybody that was around me. And I said to my friend, I said, I have, uh, there are so many young and beautiful people here. And all he said was, and you're here. And I found myself, thank you, thank you. And I found myself suddenly having to take stock of who I am and and what I look like and my age and do I belong where I'm at. I had to suddenly try and remember myself, which is something that uh, growing up in a state that's called the show me state, you had to do. You had to show and you had to prove who you are. And when you did not do that, the question was asked of you, remember yourself. Try and remember yourself. And maybe if you are a parent, or maybe if you've ever been a child, you'll remember hearing that and having that called out. Remember yourself. There's been a few times where in the past I've quoted one of the the pastors in my past, uh, Brother Miller of First Baptist Church of Farmington, where he would make a statement that every now and then we had to have a... uh, uh, in-house sermon made for those of us that, that are, are uh, in the faith. And maybe, maybe as we look at our readings today that that's what is called for. In Amos, Amos chapter 5, which is one of those more incredible readings that come up in the church year and one of the few times we actually get to preach on Amos. We hear the phrase of letting justice roll down like waters. And certainly as we're coming out of a week like we've had, that is a a plea, an anxious cry. It is something that, that all of us have been feeling. Let the justice of God roll down like rivers, like waters. But as when we say, remember yourself, we also have to say the other statement, be careful what you ask for. Because in remembering ourselves, we must be cautious in calling for the justice of God to roll down like water. Now, I have certainly been guilty of what many people have been guilty of with this text, where we have pulled it right out and have used it as something to show that justice is the primary goal of Christianity. That you as agents out there are to be proclaiming justice and equality to everyone, both very good and important things to our faith. But the justice that is actually being spoken of in Amos is justice coming down on the people of God. Amos starts out with calling to justice all these different nations in the world. 
these nations that were known for barbary, these nations that had come out uh, in, in great violence against their neighbor, nations that had betrayed treaty after treaty. Every single nation around the people of Israel was hit with justice being called down on them. And then Amos gets to the same thing being spoken to Israel and Judea. And here in Amos 5, we hear the same thing. Let justice roll down like waters, because no longer will the Lord accept this worship. Your empty sacrifices, your prayers as shallow as an inch. No longer are they to be something I can hear anymore. Because there will be a day. There will be a day and it will be dark and it will be terrifying and righteousness will come. Where's the amen now? And the point of Amos to Israel to the people who had been called out, who had been separated out, is that day is coming for you. Now, I, I am like anybody else. I, I like the concept of those who are evil in this world receiving justice. There were moments just this week alone where I found myself praying for that justice to come quickly and swiftly on the heads of those who deserved it. Upon a person who would enter into a a house of God and shoot the innocent. To those who took advantage of countless women because they had the power and authority over them. to those who would harm innocent children, and and even to those who, who insist on beating more drums of war in a world where we're just done with it. Let justice roll down. But it's certainly easy for me to wish that and pray for that for others. Malcolm Guite, a British poet, summed up this kind of thinking, this kind of feeling in in a poem he wrote about Mary Magdalene. About the way we can oftentimes easily take the sins of ourselves and place them onto somebody else. Where we can remove them and, and maybe even the justice that should be poured out on us and should come to us and place that justice on somebody else's shoulders. In describing Mary Magdalene, he writes, Men called you light, so to load you down and burden you with their own weight of sin. A woman forced to cover and contain those seven devils sent by every man. Of course, representing all of those sins of ours being sent onto somebody else. But let justice roll down like water. Let justice roll down. 
We can easily forget ourselves and we can even make others what we are and hope they get what we deserve. So my question to you today is this. What is the evil that is on your heart? What is it that you have placed onto other people? What is it that stops us and that keeps you from asking the question of when will the Lord return? What is it we are afraid of that He will bring retribution onto us for? You might actually feel like at this moment that I am the preacher preaching to the choir. After all, we are here in church because not because we think we are perfect, but because we know we are not perfect. Because we know that we are ones who do deserve punishment. Because we know ourselves to be ones who are sinful. But yet, even though all of that intelligence and knowledge and well-theological training as Lutheran Christians that you all have, despite us knowing that, we can often hide that evil. We can often forget that we can be part of the problem itself. We can find ourselves so concerned that we turn our hearts away from true worship and try and make it about acts of corporate worship. Now, I, I love days where we do DS3, where all the these and the thous come out and the transgressions and the iniquities, and we even get to say meet, right, and salutary. Because no other time do you ever get to say those words. But sometimes the Lord says, I cannot take these empty prayers. I cannot take these false and empty sacrifices. Israel continued to lift up these false sacrifices, these empty prayers, because the idols that had taken over their worship, the idols that had taken over their life was themselves. It was easy for them to look at their neighbors and to see them as evil. It was easy for them to call down judgment upon them because those are the ones who deserve it. For them, the day of the Lord will be dark. For them, the day of the Lord will be full of terror. They will be without their oil and gas. It's easy for us to forget ourselves. It's easy for us to look at others without asking the questions of where is our heart? Where is our worship? Where will we be on that day? Now for us, we know the day of the Lord to be dark and terrible. And I used to think as a, as a younger person that certainly as Christians, we are not those kind of crazy Christians that talk about that final day. But we can't escape it. It is coming. The difference is that our dark and terrible day has already been lived out. 
that our dark and our terrible day has already happened. Our dark and our terrible day, the day of the Lord for us, happened on Good Friday. When the world did turn dark. Where the wrath of God was lived out. Where every single thing that we deserve, the justice and righteousness to flow down like waters, flowed down. And it landed on the shoulders of our Savior. It came down with might onto Jesus. You have had that day. That day has come. But it came onto Jesus. It was lived out on Him. So when we actually think of that day, when we hear of it coming, for us it isn't a day of terror and darkness. It is a day we get what we don't deserve. It is a day when we are brought back to life. It is a day when the tears will be wiped from our eyes. It is a day when we will be fully restored. It is a day when we will live with our Lord. It is a day when weeping and gnashing of teeth for us is done. When we no longer have to ask the question, How long, O Lord? We no longer have to turn on the news to see the terrors that can be. Evil will be finally done away with. We will no longer be prone to it. We will no longer be a part of it. And those who love it will be no more. Because our day has already come. Our day has already happened. But we are still presented with a problem. We are still presented with the problem of evil in this world. We are still presented with the news stories that keep happening. We are still presented with all those things that this time seems to offer. And no sin seems to be off the table. No amount of evil seems to have been stopped with all of our fine ideas and progress. We've tried the route of understanding where it's just do as you want and do as you please because we found out when we do that, we not only wind up hurting ourselves but hurting others. See, as Israel turned their heart towards these gods, what they did is they turned their heart only to themselves. Everything that the world seems to go for is just that. But for those of us who have already had that day, for those of us who know what day is actually coming for us, have been called to a higher worship, to worship of our God. Not just in song, not just in praise, not just in in prayer, but brought to a worship by the very Spirit of that God that has saved us. We have been given a gift by this God to meet this time. It will get better. (laughs) We've been given a gift by this God to meet this time. 
The apostles speak of the countless gifts that come to us in this spirit and in this time. The gifts of community, the gifts of body and blood, the gifts of water, the gifts of prayer, the gift of all of these fruits of the Spirit. But I found myself as I was facing this condemnation from Amos and looking at the evil of this world, thinking what is the type of worship that we are called to in this faith of ours? Anybody who knows their doctrine knows that true worship of God is lived out with other people. True worship of God is not in empty sacrifices or false prayers, but in service to your neighbor. And the gift that we have been given to do that, I think can be defined in three statements that unfortunately have been used in every kind of wedding there is. Faith, hope, and love. There is no greater way to meet the terrors of this world and the evils that are out there that come against God, His people, and harm any neighbor that may be out there than faith, hope, and love. Three things that come to us and are gifts to us, not just in our crucified Lord, but in His Spirit that He has given to us. He has given to us a faith that gives us this trust that we can rely on Him. A faith that helps us look over the entire past and story of salvation of God and His people and see the countless ways that He works in this world. The ways that He has defeated evil as it comes up. The ways He calls His people to stare it down in its face. A faith that points us backwards to the very cross that has saved us. To the very day in which our day came and was replaced with a day of light. A faith, a hope, a love. A hope that doesn't only look to the past, but actually looks and shows us what our future is. That we will not be defined by these evils, that we will not be defined by this darkness that we struggle with, that we will not be known for these injustices that we ourselves may have even created. but a future where there is a day where those tears will be gone, where those who have been really harmed, those who have been objects of receiving that evil will be vindicated, where those who have done such things will have their day, where there will be a judge who stands in his court, a hope of that day. So now there stands a faith, a hope, and the greatest of these is love. A love that rejects any sort of empty sacrifice. But a love that brings us to sacrifice all things. To call on that neighbor. To give over our lives for that neighbor. To turn our hearts away from the idleness of ourselves. To the object of God's love to be Him in this world. To remember that there doesn't have to be a dark day ahead for everybody. 
but that their day has already been lived out too. That Christ has come for all of them. And in His love, He has given Himself over. And in His call for us to pick up our cross and do the same, we do it. Because we don't do it alone. This faith of ours is not ours alone, but a gift from Him. This hope of ours is not ours alone and not just shared by you and me, but given from Him. And this love of ours is not our own, but is that of His. He even gives us the very thing to sacrifice. I can think of no greater thing, three things than this, to meet such evil, such hate, such ways that the world can be. These are the three things that lead us into a more acceptable worship of our God than whatever Israel could offer. Because there's a day that is coming. There's a day that is coming. And since our day of darkness has already been lived out, the day that is coming is a day of light. A day when those who are asleep will all rise. A day when those who have already ran this journey will stand in triumph. There's a day that will be full of three things. Faith, hope, and love. Amen? Amen.